As we speed down the highway toward our first destination of the day, it's clear we're both busy ignoring the elephant in the room. Or in this case, the elephant in the cab of Carla's ridiculously small vehicle. I could continue to deride the mode of transport I've been forced to fold myself into and be squired around in since I lost the ability to see oncoming traffic, but I won't. Right now, I'm feeling harassed by the elephant. Lash wasn't convinced the explosion that blinded me was connected to Sandoval. Up to now, I'd been laboring under the hope that I'd find something in the file to suggest otherwise. Based on Carla's obvious disinterest in discussing it, she's probably been squiring that same hope around town, along with her curmudgeonly boss, until she read the report. Carla's not the type to leave the seal closed on any envelope inside which resides even the smallest nugget of information that might be of interest to her. That's why I suspect she is also thinking about the elephant. Because if the thing wasn't associated with Sandoval, our next case file will have Carla Danning listed as client and a big question mark after who planted an explosive device in complainant's bathroom just prior to her doing a news interview with a local NBC affiliate. The interview played well during both the 5 p.m. and 5.30 airings. By the time the 6 o'clock news rolled around, every media source in the tri-state area had enough footage of a body bag being loaded into a helicopter in the Everglades, set against photos of Carla from every era she'd lived to keep Nancy Grace busy in multiple time slots. I did not sign off on said interview, by the way. Anyway, during this interview, Carla also copped to finding some of the money her ex had stolen and anonymously dispersing it amongst several local charities, a stunt which resulted in getting her dubbed the Secret Santa in the local news. It's probably good she didn't mention the duffel bag full of cash still left after her holiday philanthropy, now tucked away in a locker at the bus station for safekeeping. Or that she bribed Muggs into hiding it for a while by appealing to both his sense of economy and fondness for her antics, even after someone lobbed a Molotov cocktail through the front window of his bar. Point is, Carla paid off the banknote on the meanwhile, and I have a hunch that part's gonna get sticky. At the sound of a piece of paper shuffling between us, The backseat driver gremlin that had taken to popping up since I lost my sight climbed up on my shoulder and settled in for the ride. Are you watching the road? Give me that. I felt around between us. I am fine, Morneau. What are you going to do? Navigate from my Google handwritten directions? Here, here you go. This should be fun. The paper smacked against my cheek. Don't be a smartass. I grabbed the paper and held it up between our seats at what felt like a practical distance for her to check while driving. Is it facing up? It's upside down. But it doesn't matter, Morno. I know where I'm going. She slid the paper from my hand. Stop grabbing things. If you're grabbing things, you don't have both hands on the wheel. 
and I need you to have both hands on the wheel because you're as distractible as a toddler with ADD hopped up on pixie sticks. Listen, I am not sure what this new driving Miss Daisy thing is about, but it's not cool. Just relax. If I crash the car, we both die. I can think of easier ways to shut you up and none of them risk my life in the process. Now listen, the two divorces are first. Both decent neighborhoods, both being delivered to women. So I got this. You don't even have to get out of the car. We'll knock them off first, and then we'll do the one at the school. I don't really think that one's going to be a problem either. Embarrassing a guy at work feels like we've got the upper hand, you know? You can come in with me on that one if you want. How nice of you to invite me, Carla. Had I known the expectation was me sitting in the car all day, presumably here to banter with you between stops, I'd have brought some jalapenos and olives to snack on. Do you want the file or not? We've got five stops today, and it would behoove you to do what I fucking say in the interest of expediency. No offense, but getting you around these days is not exactly conducive to being expeditious. We have to get all this stuff done today. Well, there it is. The elephant just took a big shit on the same proverbial rug that got all the puppy action earlier. Carla had said way more than she wanted, or even knew she had, and I decided to make the most of it. Play a little devil's advocate. I'm not sure I've ever said we're under some sort of timetable, Carla. Why don't you tell me why you feel the need to get everything done today? Because we're a week out from Christmas. Three working days, to be exact, before most of the government and lawyers' offices shut down for the holidays. All of this has to be signed and returned. It's got to get done. Carla gently put a hand on my chest and pushed me back in my seat. I assumed to check the passenger mirror, because then the car veered onto what felt like an off-ramp. Okay, three days. But even taking our time, this isn't more than two days' work. I doubt any of our cases are so important that we'll catch trouble if they're not done before the holiday. In case you hadn't noticed, I tend to take jobs from people who are familiar with my lack of expediency, so as not to put any undue pressure on either party. Just makes the days slide down a little easier. So why don't you tell me what you're not telling me? This wasn't about the blindness. Carla has a tendency to put off for tomorrow what she doesn't want to deal with today when it comes to personal stuff. Also, stuff she thinks will make me mad and stuff she knows will make me mad. And stuff she knows I don't want to know, even if I need to know it. What's in the file, Carla? Nothing. Not a goddamn thing that suggests Mercedes Sandoval had anything to do with the explosion. She was with you at the bar when I was on TV doing that interview, and I had just gotten back into town minutes before we went live. I barely had time to grab my compact from my purse and touch up my lipstick. The FBI did not approach her for questioning about the embezzlement until the day before all of this happened, and she was in Costa Rica at the time. She got on a flight to Detroit, and after checking into the hotel, Mercedes went straight to the meanwhile, and that's based on hotel and bar receipts. She didn't have any way of knowing about the files until she watched that live interview. I keep asking Lash what to do, and he just keeps saying they're taking care of it. I'm just worried he's trying to figure out how to lessen our part in all of this. Our part? You mean your part? 
I didn't steal a couple million from your bastard embezzling ex and pass it around Detroit. Nor did I pay off a bar note or purchase an old hotel. No, but you did witness me feeding the bastard embezzling ex to the alligator and you didn't stop me. Holy shit. Are you getting soft and fuzzy about that now? I seem to recall a discussion in the middle of the godforsaken swamp where I swatted away mosquitoes the size of my fist while suggesting that before you rush into murder, perhaps you should take a second to ask yourself if you're prepared for that kind of emotional karma to come back to bite you in the keister. No, shut up. Listen, that's not what I mean. I would do it again in a heartbeat, only this time I'd watch the gator chew his goddamn face off. That piece of shit got what he deserved. But it doesn't exactly look good for us, does it? When she continued, it was in a deep voice that sounded suspiciously like Foghorn Leghorn badgering a witness. So you're telling the jury, Detective Morneau, that after you subdued the psychotic hermit in the hideout where he'd taken shelter, relieved him of his firearm, rendered him incapacitated by tying him up, at no time, I say, I say, at no time while you dragged him through the bush back to the shack where you and... Mrs. Rios, excuse me, Danning. Mrs. Danning, where you and Mrs. Danning were held captive. At no time, between points A and B, did you suggest to your assistant that putting her husband in a building with an alligator and unchaining the bolt that stood between Mr. Rios and certain death. At no time did you suggest bringing him back to the airboat you found during your escapade and turning him over to police so he could be tried by a jury of his peers. Carla... Your ex's peers are Charles Manson and Leona Helmsley. For a jury to be involved, that would presuppose a trial. And I cannot envision a scenario in which someone would bring charges against either of us. Who's the defendant? I don't know. Oh, she knew all right. She knew. The government, maybe? Looking to get back the money that they think I have? Don't you mean the money you have? Well, they don't know that, Morneau. That paper trail's such a mess it'll take forever to figure out how much was embezzled, then how much Mercedes is into them for, and then what Lorenzo stashed away in cash before they can even start trying to figure out how much I wandered away with. Carla, don't you get it? They don't care about the damn money. They need to save face. Reports are surfacing about dirty business involving FEMA. And FEMA is an ugly word because the media has made it so. And rightly so. Because it's run by a bunch of pencil-pushing pinheads. All the feds want is something that looks like they're taking action against the bad guy. Which couldn't possibly be them, because they're the government. The government doesn't lie, steal, or give contracts to subpar contractors due to blatant stupidity, and then get bilked out of millions they'll most certainly pass on to the taxpayer. And now there's a big old spotlight on the whole mess because of that damn interview. Unfortunately, their choices of fall guy include a dead child murderer, his business partner, who has taken off for parts unknown, and the woman whose kid got killed. None of these are good witnesses for the prosecution, considering one is dead, one's probably working on her tan in a country that doesn't extradite, and the only other option looks a lot like the injured party. But the injured party in question couldn't just tuck away that stumbled-upon windfall for a rainy day. No, that dumbass had to play Secret Santa and pay off a bar note. All right, okay, I concede. I may have made a few slight errors in judgment, Morneau, okay? 
Now, just get over it and let's deliver some divorce papers. If you're a good boy, I'll buy you lunch later. I instinctively reached out and snatched the keys from the ignition, like I've done at least 7,000 times before, because my assistant has issues around locking us out of the car. Are you coming or not? Me clamoring out of the passenger side with my fuckstick should have made that glaringly apparent. Seven minutes later, we were walking back down the driveway. I'd say five and a half of those minutes were me getting to and from the car. The maid seemed quite happy to sign for receipt of the documents, which suggests the wife to whom she is indentured would probably be getting the better end of the deal. The help tends to know things. The second delivery also went off without a hitch, mainly because Carla bounced out of the car so damn fast, I didn't have time to wrangle the goddamn stick and my body out of the car at the same time. When I heard Carla yell, Morno, just hang tight. I got it. I got back in and slammed the door with a zest I hoped would illustrate my annoyance. Then I turned the heater on full blast. Carla hates the heater, says it bothers her sinuses. So I hoped the wall of warm air that greeted her when she returned would augment the message of the door slamming. I have no way of knowing if it augmented anything, because there wasn't much conversation on the way to our third stop, which was the University of Detroit Mercy. I must admit... This one appealed to my general sense of irony. A guy who defaulted on a student loan gets served at his place of employment, which also happens to be the same local center of education for which the bill is being defaulted. As Carla predicted, the loan defaulter was appropriately chagrined. Once the secretary buzzed us in, he took us into his office, accepted the documents, and signed the receipt. When we got back outside, Carla grabbed my hand and deposited a handful of what felt like individually wrapped candies in it. Here, I snatched some Werther's from the candy jar. I hear you old codgers can't get enough of them. Then she swatted me on the ass. I shoved the candy into my damn pocket while flailing the fuckstick around in front of me. Only whacked two cars on the way back to Carla's vehicle, but again... All the navigation took four times longer than the act of serving the papers. It was becoming painfully clear that being blind would limit my case acquisition. I'd be forced to rely on Carla more than I'm comfortable with. So my mood dimmed considerably as we sped toward the lean-to of the dog beater. I know Carla and I keep referring to him as a dog beater, but the official charges have to do with staging dog fights. So, we know we're dealing with an asshole. Generally speaking, animals are better than humans. People who aren't nice to animals tend to make me cranky. On top of that, we were traveling into an area of 8 Mile that has now become synonymous with white boys who take up rap against all odds. The visuals represented in the movie already told you all you need to know, and I can't exactly gaze out the window but I can bullet point it from memory. Lifeless structures, faded dreams, poverty, desperation, crime. And even if I could see, I know there's not a lot of color. I shivered and pulled my collar higher around my neck. Driving into a situation like this, blind, well, now that I think about it, 
There's no better word to describe it than stupid. I don't even have my gun. Haven't felt comfortable with it since the accident. And there's no point in carrying a weapon if you're not able to use it. That's just asking for trouble. We're pulling up in front of what Carla has described as a lean-to. And I assume that because the car is sliding to a stop, her approach is slow enough to tell me she's as enthusiastic about this as I am. Carla's the kind of gal who instinctively goes off half-cocked. So when she doesn't, it's doubly concerning. Carla, this is important, so I need you to hear me. I can't see. Do you understand what that means? I'm literally in the dark. Take that in as deep as you can take it, because your every action and reaction needs to be made with that in mind. If there's something I need to know and can't see it coming, you say it out loud. This isn't the time for subtlety, understand? Playing good cop, bad cop is fine when I can read your face, but I can't do that now. I'm out here with no net. Between the two of us, you've got the only set of working eyes. I got it. Are you sure? This isn't a game, Carla. I can't see. If I can't protect myself, I sure as shit can't protect you. There's gonna be a curb when you open the car door. I gave you about a foot, so just nudge your shoe out there and get your bearings before you stand up. The ground is icy in places, Morneau, so be careful. There's not much snow in the road, but when we hit the driveway, it hasn't been plowed. Looks like about five or six inches of standing snow. He's got some sort of boombox sitting on an upturned oil drum next to him. And to round out the stereotype, it appears to be playing Eminem. Based on the volume, I'd have to be deaf not to hear it even with the car windows up. But I had to give Carla credit. At least she was being thorough. Okay, he's sitting in a chair in the middle of the driveway. I don't see any kids, so either the little monsters are inside super gluing the sofa cushions to the ceiling fan, or their baby mama's smartened up. Damn, he's watching us, smirking. I don't see anyone else around. There's two more houses on the same side of the street about a block away. Nothing behind us but an empty lot. Looks like a corner gas station used to be up there. On the other side of the street, there's a boarded up convenience store. I don't see any pe- Oh wait, there's a kid riding his bike about three blocks down, straight ahead of us. And that's about it. When you get out of the car, just feel your way along the front. I'll come around and get you from there. Is he drinking? Yep. I grabbed a fuck stick. Feeling around for the curb was easy enough, as was standing. But there were more than a few seconds of ill-advised adjustment, where I couldn't decide whether to shove both feet, which were currently encased in clunky Timberlands, to the street between the car and the curb, then try to shimmy down the length of the car that way. Or put one foot up on the curb, and one on the street, and crookedly hobble toward my destination. I ended up doing a little bit of both, and damn it, I could feel that son of a bitch smirking the whole time. Carla took my elbow and we walked a few feet, before she nudged me toward the driveway, where the terrain got thicker to slog through. It's all straight from here. Nothing but a square patch of yard on each side. It's not well tended, I might add. What you can see of it between the slushy piles of brown snow and discarded shit. She got that last bit out a little late for my taste. 
Gardner's on vacation. I pictured her holding out the papers with a pin tucked under her thumb. Um, Mr. Felton, I'm Carla Danning, and this is Detective Morneau. The tremor in Carla's voice told me we were screwed. Where did Loogie land? I didn't feel like I could go any further with the conversation until I got an answer. I slid my hand further down the cane to get a better grip. Carla, answer my question. I've got antibacterial wipes in the car, Morno. Just don't worry about it. Her voice faltered again. That's my only excuse for what happened next. 